Mizel Beauty Co. creates fuss-free products that work on every skin type using the finest quality, naturally derived ingredients, such as wild plum or bilberry seed oil. Like us, they share a passion for the transformative power of nature, and they encourage their employees and customers to get outside to experience it as much as possible. There is a reason their mantra is naturally active. It's Hannah Such here today, and we're going to be talking to Carol Wright, a local community gardener, beekeeper, and walker and talker. She's a member of the Ramblers and regularly leads walks for various diverse organisations. Hi, Carol. Thanks for coming on the show. It'd be great if you could introduce yourself to our guests. I'm uh, Carol Wright, a community garden manager and a walker. That's who I am. And so you're a community gardener in Blackfriars, is that right? Yes, I'm a community gardener in Blackfriars, which comes under uh, South Bank, but I don't just restrict myself to that area. I do um, foray into South Bank, Lambeth, Southwark, Leighton, further afield, so I'm going to be in Midlands. So are you like a super gardener that goes around to inspect other people's gardens? How does it um, work? How it works is I'm a garden consultant oh. artist, so it, it's a combination of, of things that I do when I go to spaces. I can yeah. set them up with um, residents, whichever uh, group have asked me to come along, and um, so that's what that's what I've been doing. And what does like a um, garden consultancy look like then? Like what's your day to day? My day to day on that part of what I do is I go around, I set up garden clubs, I give advice on um, pollinating plants, community cohesion, um, sources of funding for the group who've called me in. Um, but more so than that, it's inspiration. Great. I, I, that's, that's the main reason that I do the gardening. It's another form of community work for me. And what, what help do people need then? Like when you go to a garden, are there like obvious things that they're just not doing correctly? Or do you come in and like you're actually super impressed and only have to say a few things? Um, it's mainly to do with getting on with your friends and neighbours. Yeah. Because oh, the majority of the time I'm called in, it is um, on housing estates. Mm -hmm. um, so they just call in. It's about communication. It's the best form of of communication with each other, with local authority, to look out for funding opportunities, um, to network with other organisations, groups like themselves in the area. So that's the type of thing I advise on when I go to different people's spaces. And you have your own garden that you look after, right? I have a couple of gardens yeah. in um, Bankside Stroke South Bank that I look after mm. and do events on. So yeah, yeah so I, I potter out to there. They are three and six minutes from where I live, which is fantastic. That's really handy. Yeah, even if it's downpours like today, I won't. I know I won't get wet for long because I can get into a shed very quickly. So can anyone sort of come along and like get involved? Uh, it depends on what session I'm running because I run sessions for school, so that's um, for school children. If it's an open day, then anyone can come along and get involved in the workshop. So I, I let people know what type of workshop it is and then people work out the audience ah. which are invited to come so in. So you're sort of facilitating these workshops? I facilitate these workshops yeah. and I have been known to put beds together. I can construct garden beds. I'm very handy with hammer, drill. Do you like carry that. that all around with you wherever you I've, go? I've been known to carry drills around <laughs> with me, yes, and pruning saws and things like that, secateur. So yes, I do carry those with me. So what do you think people get out of um, community gardening? It's that, um, it's the pleasure 
Yeah. It's um, engaging in the environment. I yeah. think that community gardening is the best way for people to understand the impact of environment on their health and mental and physical well-being and the social aspect. So to me, that's what people are getting out of those sessions, even if it's like an open day and they're just coming for an hour, couple of hours, it's getting new ideas and inspiration. Are there sort of like really popular workshops that people like engage in a little bit more than others? Anything which is involving you can take a plant and some seeds home. Yeah. Anything so that everyone says likes giveaway. Freebies. Yeah, once you put giveaway on there, then people <laughs> will rock up. Tea and cake, biscuits, that type of thing, mm. always have refreshments. And um, bring food to share. So when oh, that's that a good happens... Idea. People do love that. Yeah, everyone loves free food. And everyone I guess that's the other food. benefit of gardening, right, is yeah. that you get to take home what you grow. Yeah, this is it. Or other people get to take home what you grow as well because, yeah. you know, on the gardens that I've set up in SE1, yeah. um, I make sure that there is a forage hedge. Each of those gardens has a forage hedge that people are quite free to wander and pick sort of black currants. There's grapes on one project, plums, apples, pears. So people are able um, to pick as they go along and that's an intentional thing to do as well as the benefit for pollinators. So we're creating these green corridors, teaching people skills as well. And that's a, another really good bonus of yeah. doing these workshops yeah. and garden clubs. And I guess they can pass those skills on as well, exactly. aren't they? They're like life skills, which maybe That's don't it. really get taught in schools and places like that. Well, it's really surprising because I started to do uh, community gardening about 12 years ago when I set up my first community garden, which was a Tate Modern Commission, um, working with the artist Fritz Haig. And the skills... Um, the skill level of the children in primary schools then is completely different to the skill levels now, 12 years later. So I have seen... Improvement. A uh, not really. Oh. That is the really surprising thing. Really? Yes, because the teachers don't have the time. It's not programmed in a national curriculum in the same way as it was then. Um, there are less skills like that being taught so gardening just being out in nature so that that does concern me yeah you know because I deal with children from nursery school age to secondary school so you're talking six formers and if you ask different parts of a plant they might may or may not be able to tell you what they are so that's age four to 18 so that's a surprise yeah that is surprising mm. and I'm guessing like you don't need that much space to grow a small vegetable garden where you can learn about like the different no. elements of plants no you don't need that you even yesterday i was doing um a workshop at tate exchange and i was yeah. giving people um, sprouting seeds i was giving them red clover and asking if they had a jar or if you know a jar became available to them that is what they were taking away with them so like watercress in eggshells yeah i remember doing that bugs. at school exactly so <laughs> it can be as, as, as simple as that and that's a lovely way to get people into growing yeah. if they don't have windowsill space balcony space access to a front or a back garden um so i'm very aware being in an urban environment, the lack of space that people have um, for a garden. So know? how can a sort of friends groups or I guess like local community groups like come together to set up a garden? Like is there things that you have to go through to, to do that? You can just rock up. You, a few like-minded people, you know, that's that's how we approach it in um, the areas where I live or I've, I've given advice about. It's one person normally that says, I fancy doing this. And then they search around the area for other like-minded people. They'll have done some research, contacted um, local councillors or people they they feel may help them. And that's 
majority of the time how I get contacted in the area where I live. It's yeah. like, could you come along to this meeting? I will feed you coffee and a biscuit. <laughs> and I, I will greatly receive that. Only once do I think, tend to do that, though. <laughs> so you grew up in London, right? Yeah, I'm a Londoner. And... Yeah. Um, was it was it Lewisham? Nah, Lambeth. Sorry, Lambeth. That's all right. You're <laughs> a lad. I'm allowing it. <laughs> has, ha, I mean, has London changed since you've like grown up here? Oh yeah, there seems less freedom to roam of children. Yeah, we were talking there's, to yeah. Will Norman about that, about how yeah. like, there's no freedom to roam anymore. Yeah, because our version of run out, so hide and seek. When I was a child growing up in Kennington, we, I grew up in Kennington, Campbell and Brixton. Those are family homes. Was our version of hide and seek in the school holidays was. Um, okay, we start about nine o'clock in the morning on the estate where I grew up. And then we'd say, okay, we're going to hide now. You have to find me. But we then we'd get on the bus. We'd get on the bus from Kennington to Streatham, Blackheath, wow. wherever. And that would be all day. And you and we'd come home before parents got back. And then we'd all go, couldn't find you. Of course you couldn't, because we'd all gone to different parts of London. Yeah. And, and this carried on for the whole of the six weeks holiday, you know. So we'd go to Wimbledon. We'd go foraging. We'd, we'd, we'd do whatever. We'd be running up and down with cousins and, and school friends. That so, feels yeah. unthinkable now, doesn't it, really? Mm. It's, it's crazy how it's changed. I remember when I was a kid and we moved around quite a lot because my dad was in... Um, in the navy and yeah like you'd you'd get let out for the day and then you would just like go around you didn't have a phone you didn't have a pager you didn't have anything and then you would like rock up when it was probably tea time yeah. and then either get a rollicking yeah. or get told to come in or yeah. something and there was a sense of freedom. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. We just go up and down and it would be like Kennington Park and Burgess Park and the parks were our our, our biggest area for foraging, for nature, access to nature. Because we didn't have a garden because we grew up in a council flat and then we moved to a council house with a front and back garden. So it wasn't until nearly I was a teenager that we had potential growing space and that's where I started to grow things in yeah. that garden with my mum. Tomatoes, lettuce, we had flowers, we had fuchsias, we tried all sorts of things in that back garden and that's still the family home today in Brixton. Wow. So, yeah. And grandparents, the grandparents' living room was always full of spider plants, busy lizzies, everything, succulents, aloe vera was in there. So, yeah, you'd go in there and it was looking very subtropical because that was what they were used to back home, back home being Jamaica. And, of course, um, relatives and friends mixing with them, everybody, you know, had rubber plants, all sorts of plants inside and outside on the balconies. So do you think you got your sort of green fingers from your mum then? Grandfather. Grandfather. Mother and grandfather because they grew up on um, former colonial estates in Jamaica. Yeah. And so my grandfather was estate manager. So he was responsible for hiring gardeners. He worked as a baker. He was a jack of all trades. And he passed so that down? He passed it down to my mother who passed it down to me. Even in his later years, he would explain the mechanism of a washing line, a retractable washing <laughs> line. <laughs> and a skill you need. <laughs> yes, it is a skill you need. Like mobility scooters. Every time I now look at a mobility scooter, I think it's like a bus. The engine is at the at the back and that's what makes it difficult to go uphill. This is a thing I will carry to my own <laughs> grave. I'm telling you now. I look at a bus and I think, yeah, 
Maria, your go granddad, about the buff. So is your, is, your, um, is your house covered in plants now then? It isn't actually. My plants tend to be little cacti which sit on the windowsill because mm-hmm. I have a plot in the community garden where I live, but I also manage that garden and I also manage um, Brookwood. Yeah. So I have plenty of access to those green spaces. I guess it would be quite a lot of extra work for you to have to manage the ones in the home yeah, as well. And, and if I you're travelling a lot as well. Yeah, I travel a lot. So to have it in there, and I have to, people have to be coming in and watering. And um, so I'm just very mindful of the, the small amount of space I have. And I just like being out in the community garden yeah, and at, talking to people yeah. as well. Yeah. I think it's that social aspect, yeah, isn't it? Definitely. That there's, there's been a lot of community gardens popping up in and around Broccoli and it seems to just create like a really great community buzz. It feels like that's what we need. Like if we just had more gardens everywhere, mm-hmm. then everyone would be happier. Yeah. If we could, if we have the space to do it, I would totally agree. And I get I get asked that question about pollinator paths, all types of activities. And I and I read about all sorts of suggestions, National Park City suggestions on where to create more greenery. The thing I always say is I agree with what you're saying, but somebody will have to take care of even a wildflower meadow. Yeah, Because true. what the local authorities, and this is what I've learned um, time and again, they'll want to know who's going to manage that. Because the bottom line is maintenance... Yeah. And sometimes that will be attached to money. Not all the time, you know, because the spaces I look after, those those two spaces are voluntary, but there's all other things connected with it, which I will be paid for. And that's the important thing is that the lowest earning or no income households have access to nature. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel really passionately about this point. And it's um, to do things and show people things which they can create. Um, upcycle, recycle, beg, borrow. I'm not mentioning the word steal because we know that's not a good thing. Um, So, yeah, any skills people can share. And even if you don't want to do the gardening, your presence can be enough because not everybody wants to put their hand in a compost bin and want to do actual gardening, but there's other things that they can support. If it's fundraising, just giving moral support. I've seen that so many times. People making cups of tea. Making cups of tea, cake. People have got some brilliant ideas on what to do with the rhubarb, the produce from these spaces. That's as invaluable. And talking about growing back home, because that skill share goes both ways. There's many skills that I and other people who I work with mm. do not have. And so we like to call on people or people offer it up. Yeah. Now, as you may or may not know, we have a walking app called Go Jauntly. And because one of our main aims in life is to try and encourage you to walk more and discover new places to visit, Shane from Go Jauntly is going to take us through his favourite walks each week. You can find out more on our website or you can download the app. But in the meantime, Shane, what have you got for us today? Hi, Hannah. Today, I've picked a walk down in Brighton that I did pretty recently, a couple weeks ago. And I've been to Brighton before, but I've never explored the sort of Kemp Town area of Brighton. So this walk, called Kick It in Kemp Town, covers a lot of the great spots uh, that you can find in Kemp Town. There's sort of hipster coffee spots that are great. There's a lot of antique shops, if that's your thing. And then it circles back along the beach because, of course, no walk in Brighton would be complete without a visit to the beach. And although I didn't have the best weather on my visit, hopefully you will get luckier. So I highly recommend a walk through Kemp Town with a visit to the beach. 
thanks so much, Shane. We're just going to go back to the podcast interview now. Yeah, I guess you you get to meet all types of people at these at, this, yeah. at these places. Do you have any favourite kind of community gardens in London? Um, my my favourite, apart from my two, because I'm heavily biased <laughs> uh, towards the two that I help to look after. I would imagine I really like Glengore Wolf Garden. I in, like um, it. I love it. I love what Sue Amos it's so has big. done there. It's big. I remember Burgess Park when it was flat before they had those mountains. I exaggerate, they're not mountains. Um, the man-made hills put in. So I, I grew up in uh, Burgess Park. Um, and to see what Sue has done there, um, I think pushing that as a favourite would also be Walworth Garden Farm which is near five minutes away from my primary school, Keyworth, mm. and that's behind Kennington Tube Station. I've I, not been to that one. Yeah, that used to be a bomb site. That used to be some derelict houses. Quite a few of come. them were like that, yeah, weren't they? Well, that's how I got my start in community gardening with Bankside Open Spaces because um, the site that they have were prefabs. It was one of the last places in London to I be see. prefab. And that had like 10 raised beds, a big old greenhouse, two ponds, orchard trees, things which you very rarely get the space to do now in new build um, community gardens. It sounds a bit like uh, Bonington Square. Yeah, that's that's that was squatter heaven though. That's um, that's got some um, heritage behind it. it. Has. That is um, one of the classic spaces, which. Um, if Lambeth had had their way, it would still not be a garden. All power to them because they really show the power of community. I think it's a great space. example, isn't it? So it's a fantastic example. If you have um, Edwardian Victorian houses, you have a community around a space who care for that space. So there's been so many people who I've met who have gone there. I, of course, grew up very close to there in Kennington. Didn't go there as a child because I always knew that to be squats, nothing against squatting. Um, but, yeah, you kind of got to have that spirit. Yeah. You've got to have people with enough money to buy land. That's true. To have legal advice to ensure that that remains in community use because it is a community asset. That space. So that's like the other kind of help, I guess, you guys would need, yes. wouldn't you? It's like yes. legal advice, financial advice, yeah. um, fundraising, case study. Case, study. case study. So link up with local universities, yep. anything to do with academia. Academia will use longer words just for <laughs> growing tomatoes, etc. And we can quote back Latin naming conventions to them. Um, so, yeah, you make your allies, don't you? That's yeah. how it goes, really. Have you been to St Mary's Secret Garden in Hackney? Oh, yeah. I really like it yeah. there. I trailed around. I had trailed. They've got <laughs> they've got beehives and things I like know. that. They have beehives. They have beehives at Walworth Garden Farm. They have beehives at Glengore Wharf yeah. as well. I think the majority of those size community gardens and the other one I love is Dalston Curve Garden yeah. as well. They have hives. So, yeah, where people can, they tend to put the hives in or pollinate plants which is great you're a beekeeper as well i am a beekeeper how's that going oh it's going all right somebody's looking after my bees at the moment they're in greenwich i hear words do they move around um well i guess bees do (laughs) bees do they won't they're only they've only been looked after by a friend in their back garden because where they're normally located in waterloo they're repairing the wall so Mm. they're sorting out the wall 
and the bees wouldn't have appreciated all the DIY going on. So I had to move them about two months ago, mm. which coincides with my busy period of time. So that worked out really well. So, yeah, I'm a beekeeper. I have been for about a decade and that came through the community gardening. You got into it that way? Got into it that way. Someone said, oh, I think you'd really like beekeeping. And so off I went to uh, Morden Hall Park, which is a National Trust space, beautiful grounds. And um, I did my intro to beekeeping. So while I was managing an outreach play project, I used to have bee observational hives, come to the adventure playground, any event that I had to manage, it would be... Can we have a beekeeper, henna hand painter, face painter and good food? These were my tick list things every time. If it includes music, amplified or acoustic, I'm there. So how do you squeeze in all the gardening, all the consultancy, all the all the beekeeping and all of the walking and talking that you do? Um, I pace myself. I pace myself and I'm... I'm manage what goes out on social media so that it may not necessarily be the day I have done that thing. Oh, so you're super curated feed. I, it needs to be curated, you know, because people really don't need to know if I've removed navel fluff, you know, it <laughs> could get to that stage, couldn't it? I've just had this tea, I've had that tea, I had this chat because it gets like that. And I have times when I have downtime. Yeah. I'm very good now. So you're at, good at uh, sort of segmenting, because I know I asked to collaborate with you on something and you turned me down because you're too busy, which yeah. I respect, by the way. <laughs> I have to say no. <laughs> it's, it's really good that you could say no. no. Yeah, you just have to know not to stretch, overdo it. Because, I'm so bad at that. Yeah, you just have to say, I can do this amount and I can't do that over there and yeah. leave it alone. I'm going to ask you again next year. You're welcome to. You're welcome to. So. I mean, we have tried for a while to get this in the diary as well, so yeah, I feel this very is, privileged. This is an indication. <laughs> it, it took someone four years. It took someone four years to come and walk in my area with me, which is hilarious because I, I worked with them at the yeah. showroom for four years and it was actually only last week they managed to come. Oh, so I am and super the, privileged So then. you'd be super privileged <laughs> to get me sat here, yeah. So whilst we've still got you then, yeah. so you, because last time I saw you, you were talking about going on some walks around Epping Forest and you were like mapping the routes like how, how what, what do you do yeah so um and I'm going back I'm actually in Epping Forest again for the fifth time this year um some was just for art things and just chill some will be to um recce the route as I call it mm. so I'm wrecking the route uh, sometime this week again because we're going to do Chingford and um, so I, I just go, I just make sure how accessible it is for the group that I will be leading, mm -hmm. you know, or meandering with, I like to call it. So I'm just going to go. What groups check do you in. go with? So it's carers groups. I take carers groups out for walk. I've got youth groups I take. It can be children's groups, a whole mixture of ages and abilities. So depending on who I'm taking out for the walk, I'm having a look to see the terrain. How are they going to get there? Because often the contact at the organisation will work out how to get to what station or bus stop, wherever I say this is our meeting point. So then from that point, it's for me to make it as safe and enjoyable and as fun as possible for the participants. So that can be um, getting them to navigate parts of the route, which is always good fun. So they're learning a skill there, so I guess, as well. So they're learning a skill. And they'll tell me stories. We have so many conversations, a bit like walking and gardening. We They'll point out trees and plants which evoke memories for them. I just have to make sure the terrain is okay. The advice about, you know, 
changeable weather, sun cream. I find where the comfort breaks are, where's a good place for us to have a pub or other lunch, pack lunch, lunch, wild we and all of that. So <laughs> not the children's groups, fine. Um, so do you do you notice a difference at the start and the end of a walk with your groups? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Their spirits are, are lifted. Because they come and they're like, if it's if it's people who already know me, yeah, and they're like, they start saying sorry that they haven't been to the last few because they've had family things or whatever things to um, to sort out, and then we go right, this is what I'm expecting. So there's an expectation. So I like to change it up. It's like normally they think that there may be a lot going to be packed in, but sometimes it's like nah. We're just walking because we can, because we have the ability, because we've met up on this day in this location. So it de- depending on where I am, I just think the walking is enough because there's going to be people talking to you about all sorts of things and I just ensure that they get around whatever route. So it sounds a bit like on one of your walks... Um, it's gentle, it's meandering, you get to talk a lot, you get to offload potentially, yeah. and it's almost therapeutic, would yeah, you say? it is. It's kind of like with the garden, it's horticultural therapy, mm. and this is like walking as therapy and art and practice because people share a lot with you, whether they intended to or not, and it's not something that I ask lots of questions or expect of people, but it's very interesting doing these walks uh, People have the space and the time to just explore what they're about, what memories that walk evokes for them, to say, you know, that they'll come back with their family and who would enjoy that walk. And you have people who want to come to walk like it's a race. So I have had people What's it like come, get from A to B? Yeah, oh, they just be, <laughs> they want to be two streets or half a woodland ahead of you. So you think, oh, you know what? All power to you. You, you know, as my niece would say, jog on with that, literally. <laughs> and then um, what you do is you just like take your time. Mm. You just carry on. You make sure the majority of the group are all good. And then, then they stop and then they have to wait for you. And then you go, you can walk fast. <laughs> and, then, and then it happens like that. And then they just tr- come back in because it's the feeling is leave no one behind. We're in, we're in this, we're walking together. So if you're tearing ahead you won't get the enjoyment of what's around you. And we're coming out of zones one and zone two in the middle of London. Mm. So if you want to be hectic, there's plenty of hectic to do, rushing about between Lambeth and Southwark or wherever you're coming from. Take it in, enjoy it. I think, yeah, the the kind of concept of slowing down, meandering, leisurely strolls is something that obviously I really believe in. And I am a relatively new walker, I'd say, I haven't been walking my whole life, apart from, you know, the average walk to to the fridge or something like that. But when did you realise that you were a walker? From I was small, because my mum is the walker in the family. My mum loved walking, because she's one of those people that grew up walking to school, so that'd be like five miles there, five miles back, wow. or she'd go down a hill on a bike with her feet off the pedal, she'd be like Was this there. in Jamaica or here? In Jamaica. And then she just continued. She yeah. thought, when I've got children, I'm going to walk up and down with them. So she just likes walking even now where she lives. It's so walking. you go on your rambles together? Yeah, so I go on rambles and, like, we've got different locations where I know when she calls me, she tells me she's by a specific tree. I know exactly what part of the route Aww. that she is on. 
That's really you know? nice. And I had to give her an update on what I've seen on my walks around. And recently there was a tree which came down because of the winds a few weeks ago. So I have to tell her about that. <laughs> um, you know, so it's all those Does she bits. still live in London? No, nah, my mum lives in Florida. So wow. she's just like, so her, her trees are, are vastly different. Uh, palm trees. There will be ma- ma- mango, <laughs> oh. ackee. So these will be fruits. These will be fruits linked to the Caribbean. Yeah. So those are, well, well, I'll tell her about conkers and stuff like that. And, yeah. and look what's interesting. So there were trees which we will share in common because for some reason, Southwark and Lambeth about a decade ago decided Laquats were the trees to put in parks and open spaces. And I didn't, I didn't, identify them I just thought meh there's some trees with fruit you know it's not something I've planted and she pointed out between Lambeth and Southwark so around Kennington all the way up to Peckham all the Laquat trees so she had me on a bus 63 just so she could point at the trees that's really nice which was brilliant but I was recovering from an operation at the time and okay, she, not did so bring good. A, she did bring a cushion to try to <laughs> ease my bumpy journey. But I thought only my mother. And I can't, you know, I, I couldn't be annoyed because it just made me smile that this is this is my form of recuperation because I can't really walk far. I am loaded onto a bus and I have a cushion and I will be looking out of the window. At trees. So At it's trees. kind of like nature therapy. That's right. And that's exactly how it was when I got off the other end and my friends were like, You've been on that bus. And my mum said, yes, I had to point the trees out. <laughs> I said, it's okay. I won't phone Childline. Does she come <laughs> over often then? Um, about once a year, mm-hmm. maybe every other year. And it will be plants. It will be plants. It will be walking. It will be, let's catch up. What what um, garden spaces are we going to look at? You know, and that can include Kew Gardens or Brogdale, so home of the National Fruit Collection. Mm. What's growing where? Who's up to what? Have you got any other sort of like hot tips for places outside of London that people could go to? I imagine you must have loads. Um, for walking? For walking or for gardens? Well, it ha- for me, it's Faversham. It's Brogdale. Yeah. I absolutely love Brogdale Farm. It's a whole day. I'm just writing that one down. Yes. It's Brogdale Farm. You've got to check it out. The varieties of apple trees, things we were, we have lost out of markets to all supermarkets. To me, go and check that out. If you're down south, even if you're visiting London and want to go on a day trip out, go to Brogdale Farm. The time to visit Brogdale Farm is in October when um, it's um, Apple Day. Oh. To go when it's like Cherry Day, Apple Day, because they'll have entertainment, they'll have little train rides through the orchards as well. That sounds so nice. For less than a fiver. And then you've got all the food that they cook and there's like pie eating competitions and I have to say yay to my neighbour's child who will want to forget this but I'm raising it now she actually won the pie eating contest at Brockdale is it eat as many as you eat can eat the whole pie oh my god! in gosh. the shortest amount of time possible and a friend of mine Thomas Stevens who's a landscape architect who's, who's related to the Bramley family apple what? Um, he won the adults. I said to him, come come to Brogdale. So we won twice, you know, so we were just walking around like, yes, this is us. We've come from zone one and two and we've absolutely smashed that competition. 
I won't say what happened to the apple pie once my neighbour tried. I was going to ask if it, it was savoury or... It wasn't pretty. That what the It was a savoury, it was a gorgeous pie. That's all I can say about it, it was. <laughs> and um, But to see a, a 12-year-old uh, from a uh, social housing estate, absolutely, yeah. This is, I've got this. I nailed this one. I nailed this one. <laughs> and yes, the pie was lovely. Maybe it didn't need the cream on top, but there you have it. And um, but brilliant, just to see the children and adults running up and down, amazing, amazing. So, what projects are you involved with um, coming up soon that we can look out for? Um, the ones coming up soon are a couple of walks, and that is um, Epping Forest this weekend, mm. and it's also with, with youth, and it's around some ecological centres. Um, Greenwich, I'll be doing with them, and then there are some art projects I have to keep under wraps, and that's why I've been turning people down. Mm. So I'm embargoed, but just to say, more art. That sounds more lovely. Walking, yeah. You know. Where can people follow you then? Black Outside on Instagram and Twitter. Black Outside, B-L-A-K underscore O-U-T-S-I-D-E. And you post your events on that? I post events on there. So, yeah, people That's can great. catch me and my, all my feet. They can catch me on my feet walking. I've noticed you take quite a lot of pictures of um, slabs and stones and stuff. What's that about? <laughs> I am a total geek when it comes to wayfinders. I have, I would, if I could take these things to my house, which I can't, I would. I like looking at train covers. I like looking at the different paving. And I can tell the difference in the paving as well between walking from, say, like Southwark, Lambeth into the city of London. The different quality of paving stone, different types of bollard, historic bollards, roof tiles, bricks. This is generally, these things make me very happy. And I think it's good to look up and look out, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, look up, look out. Look around, be, observe, observe nature in whatever form that is, you know, water, everything, water, trees, people. I like sitting in coffee shops thinking, where are those people walking to? Mm -hmm. Where are they walking to? What are they up to? Who has the best coffee shop seats? I was in the coffee shop waiting for my laptop this morning and just admiring the view. Always, I always like to look out. I like that too. I like walking as long as there's a refreshment stop yeah. and a place to go to the loo. Yeah, loo breaks, very important. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for your time. I could talk to you for a long time. I feel mm. like, can we go for a coffee again? Yeah, yeah that <laughs> When you're less cool. busy. When I'm less busy, that's no problem. You okay. can do that. All right. Definitely. Thanks so much, Carol. No worries. Thank you. Ta. It was great to get to know Carol a bit better today. She's well loved within the walking community and it's not difficult to see why. I loved hearing about all the diverse projects she's up to and it would be great to meet Carol again, perhaps taking a walk around her community garden near Blackfriars. I hope you found some of that information interesting and if so and you want to find out more please go to gojauntly.com forward slash nature bounce and we'll have all of the links in there in the next episode we'll be talking to councillor sophie mcgeever a broccoli labor councillor and lewisham cabinet member responsible for the environment waste and recycling and parks and green spaces i'm also a lewisham resident so I'm looking forward to talking to her about how we can protect green space in and around our local area. Go Jauntly is an app to help you discover walks, create your own and share outdoor adventures with friends. You can download the app over on the App Store and the Play Store. 
This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Liz Earle Beauty Co.